Hey guys, what's going on? This is uh, Jared here once again, and I am on time this week with my LGBTR upload. <laughs> uh, now this week I am introducing Victor Alexander. This is my latest and my last LGBTR episode um, so far until I you know, record some more. Um, Victor is a trans author of multiple books in like all genres include and especially in the romance genre and like basically all pairings in the romance genre as well so you've got male 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 female uh male male female female you know all the all the different combinations you can make out of that so yeah so <laughs> he's very uh very broad in his range and uh we have a really interesting conversation so Tune in uh, and leave me your thoughts. Uh, thanks for listening. See ya. Hey, everyone. My name is Jared King, and you are now watching... LGBTR, which stands for lots of great books to read or lots of good books to read, whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> but really, it's uh, it's kind of a double entendre there with like LGBT and, you know, so I tried to be clever. Um, and I'm very happy to have a, another guest tonight that I think you're going to love. Um, so let me just jump right into it. Tonight's guest started his writing journey with a story about his youngest sister and how she destroyed the world with her breath. <laughs> Needless to say, his imagination is in no short supply. He has over seven pseudonyms, plenty of books across multiple genres, and is a trans member of the community. He claims to create spaces where none exist and to live outside boxes. Let's learn some more about those spaces outside of the box with Victor Alexander. Hey, Victor, how's it going? It's going good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to have you on the show, and I'm uh, I'm excited to get into this. And um, I, I know when we talked a little bit, you had mentioned that this is it's been a while since you have uh, kind of interacted with a lot of the audience. So, uh, are you you're excited to excited to be back out here? Yeah, I've, I've uh, spent the last couple of years kind of in and out of the hospital uh, because of an injury I got when I was in the army, and it took them about four years to figure out what was going on with me and oh, I, I was getting worse and you know spending longer and longer amounts of time in the hospital and less time writing and I just kind of fell off I guess you could say the social media map and everything and so it's kind of good to be able to come back and talk to the readers and and the audience and everything like that and just say hey I'm still here I'm still writing and <laughs> I'm not dead. <laughs> <laughs> very cool, very cool. All right, so we're gonna talk about uh, some of that in a moment. But let me ask you, was writing always the goal for you or uh, did you ever wanna be anything else growing up? Writing has never been the goal for me. I don't even know if writing is still my goal, to be honest. Um, it's something I'm really good at. Uh, but when I was younger, I wanted to be president of the United States and the only reason why I wanted to be president of the United States was because I felt like uh, that was something that gave me a position of power to be able to change the world. Uh, and then after that, I wanted to be a lawyer, and my parents wanted me to be a pastor or you know a rabbi or something like that. But my goal and my dream has always been to 
have a job or position or just have the resources in order to change the world and make it a better place. And writing, I realized, gave me an opportunity to do that because I could write about issues that were going on. I could write about characters that were going through things and I could touch, you know, different people, different lives, different minds and hearts with each book that I wrote. And I'm still changing the world and things like that in that in that way. And then when I make money and, uh, you know, have my relatives and stuff like that, I can take that and put that into charities and, you know, other things. Okay, very cool, very cool. So uh, you were in the Army, uh, and thank you for your service. Uh, and almost three years ago, you suffered your first stroke due to injuries sustained. Um, you explained to me how that, in how that uh, experience has changed how vocal you are when speaking about um, certain issues. Could you share that with the audience? Yeah, um, before I had my first stroke, I, I don't want to say I was apathetic about people that were in, you know, nursing homes and, and rehabs and long-term uh, facilities, but it was kind of one of those, eh, they're getting help, they have family, you know, what can I really do kind of thing. But after I had to go through it myself, I realized there's a lot about the healthcare system um, that isn't being talked about. There's a lot about uh, people who are disabled that isn't being discussed, isn't being written about, um, they're being overlooked. And I mean, I'm one of those people now. And I, I realized, I mean, just reading books and stuff, I was like, nobody writes about, you know, people in wheelchairs and blind people and, you know, stuff like that. They're never the, the love interest. And even if they are the love interest, people get them wrong so much. And it, they always make it seem like the person who's falling in love with them is so, they're such a hero. Oh my God, you've overcome so much to fall in love with them. And I'm like, do you know how much energy it takes for me to just get out of bed every morning? Like to get from my bed into my wheelchair. Like, I am the hero. Hello. So there's just there's so much that I have learned about the just you know the disabled community. Um, I, I mean I don't even I, I know people have embraced that word, but I call us handy heroes. Um, and there's so much I learned about nurses and doctors. And I mean I just have such respect for nurses that do their jobs and the things that they have to go through. They they are absolutely amazing. And I learned so much about, you know, just elder, the elderly people and people in the rehab facilities and how they're overlooked. So it, it gave me a, a, an insight into it. And because of that, I'm a lot more vocal and wanting people to do more about it. Very cool. All right. Um, so how long have you been writing up to this point? And how hard was it to get back into writing after, the, after this injury? I wrote my first book when I was 10. Um, so I'm 34 now. So it's been off and on for about 24 years. Uh, I wrote a bunch of stuff, just, you know, whatever kind of caught my fancy. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I, because of me being in and out of the hospital, um, it took me about two years to write um, my last release. And that was the only thing I was focused on. Um, and the reason why I took it two years is because, I mean, I would write maybe like 90 words and then I would get exhausted and I'd have to, I would fall asleep 
and I wouldn't be able to write anything for like another week or, or so, or I'd be in the hospital and I couldn't write anything. Um, so it took me two years to write Life is Not a Musical. And when you are dealing with health problems um, and something that isn't really spoken a lot about, it's being spoken about now uh, by different authors, but when you are suffering from health problems and you're going through things, there's a depression that sort of takes over you. And I, it took me a while to kind of realize that that was where I was. I was so angry. I was so depressed. I was hurting. Um, and I was alone. And I didn't want to tell anybody what was going on with me. I wanted to give up. Um, I had actually um, signed a you know, piece of paper, some forms at the hospital uh, with my living will. And was just like, pull the plug. I don't care. Like something else happens. I, I mean, I, I'm a fighter, and I had gotten to the point where I just didn't want to fight anymore. Um, but after a while, you know, my daughter, talking with my daughter and talking to other friends and stuff like that, I realized I couldn't do it. There was so much more that I, that I wanted to do, so much more that I had to live. And so after I, I finished this book, after I finished Life is Not a Musical, and I pushed through it, and... I realized that I could actually do it. Like it might take longer, but I could actually do it. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep doing it. So that's what I did. I'm back. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. That was so weird. It's never happened before, but um, I apologize. I think that was my connection. Um, I, uh, I stopped mid yeah sorry about that um so i stopped we stopped mid um mid answer there i'm not sure if you completed your answer um maybe we can just jump off from where we were let me uh get my screen set together you know i look this is very uh this is very i don't you know this is like off the cuff here so i i'm glad you guys are um rolling with me with this so we were talking about what you say. Anybody that's been a reader, anybody that's been a reader of mine is, is <laughs> used to the whole "this has never happened before" thing, so it's fine. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. So we had finished. Have we have we finished talking about um your injury and getting back into writing and and, and all that? Yeah. They okay. they found so out that we're, I we're up to that point. All right. All right, so let's move on. Let's move on to the next one, since that was kind of, <laughs> I messed that up. My bad, y'all. Uh, so you seem to have a writing method of accepting all ideas. So with so many different types of stories, one would assume that you never take anything off the table. How do you prioritize which idea to work on next? Um, honestly, it, it all depends on which uh, characters are waking me up in the middle of the night and which ones are bothering me when I'm trying to drink my coffee and have my you know morning cigarette or whatever. Um, there are certain ideas that I'm just like, no, I'm not writing it. I, I don't care how much you bug me. I ain't doing it. Uh -uh, I'm not writing tentacles. I, no, uh -uh, I don't care if people like it. I ain't doing it. Uh, but there are uh, certain ideas that I would get that, you know, I, I might be watching television or, you know, taking a shower or something like that and 
the idea will be hammering at me and I'll just be like, oh my God, fine. And I'll get the idea down and they'll be like, okay, it's in the queue. I'll get to it later. And then they'll be like, no, you're going to write this now. <laughs> you need to write this now. You need to write this now. I mean, I actually had an idea for a series back in 2014 and uh, told uh, a friend of mine about it. She thought it was amazing. I had another friend that was like, you know, I will do the covers for it for free. This is awesome. And it was just kind of, you know, this idea of where I, it was like an apocalyptic type thing. And now where we are now in, in our world and our society, they're like, you should have wrote that book back in 2014 because not everybody's going to think that you're just, you know, making fun of how things are now. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Okay. So, um, so, well, real quick, I want to make sure that the viewers can see you. So, um, maybe, maybe, I don't know if maybe you can pull back just a little bit. Okay. I think we can see you a little bit better now. Okay. I <laughs> just wanted to make sure. Um, all right. So you also, you have plenty of pseudonyms as well. So how do you juggle being so many different people? I'm crazy. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I, I I think a lot of it has to do with it, with me being uh, transgender um, and being uh, so many different things um, or representing so many different communities. People look at me and they see one thing, but when I start to explain to them, oh no, I am you know, I'm Black, I'm Caribbean, I have Native American blood, I, you know, have Irish blood, I have Scottish blood, I'm Jewish, I'm trans, I'm gay, I'm a veteran, I'm disabled, I'm a single parent. They're like, holy crap. And I'm like, yeah, if I could inhabit all those things at one time, then it's very easy for me to kind of move in and out, you know, of each uh, pen name that I have. So, and I mean, plus I have an amazing group of people around me that I can bounce ideas off of. Um, my daughter is great for that. My baby sister, Shai, is great for that. Um, even my mom, uh, I will get an idea and I'll be like, I got this idea for this book and it's like this. And she'll be like, okay, you're getting a little too, you get a little too out there. And if I, and I know if she says it's a little too out there, then it's perfect. <laughs> All right, so um, do you currently make your living as an author? And, um, and if so, how could one get to that point? I did for a long time. Um, I don't now because uh, it's been two years since I've uh, released a book. But before then, I was, I, I was making a living as an author. Um, for me, it was, uh, gosh, I don't even know. I, it, it came about because of some really great authors who really helped get my name out there first. Um, I had people like Stormy Glenn and Cherie Noel and Mary Kame and Amy Lane and Andrew Gray, like a bunch of people who really uh, supported me and got my name out in front of their readers. And so a lot of their readers started to buy my stuff. Um, and I would just 
I just wrote. I didn't, you know, say, oh, I need to put out one book every month to keep it, you know, keep it going. I would just write when the characters told me to write and take a break when I didn't have anything to go out there. But I always made sure that I was always kind of out in front of the readers. So I was always on social media. I was, you know, always on Goodreads and the different groups. I was on Twitter. I interacted. I had fun. I had um, big uh, morning songs that I did every day. Uh, got the, uh, the readers involved with it. You guys remember this song? You know, stuff like that. Um, and, and I was just, I just kept myself engaged with the different readers. And when you interact with them and you show them that you're not trying to keep yourself removed from them, like, oh, I'm, I'm an author, you can't talk to me, you know, because I'm just, I'm just a regular person. I just write. Uh, they, they like that. And they'll, they'll go out and buy your stuff and then they'll tell other people, hey, you should buy this author. Have you heard of this author? Have you read their stuff? Um, and so that's just the biggest thing. Like, I'm just a normal person. and I'm a reader, too. And that's what I always tell them. So. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so just one more question about the pseudonyms, because I've always been curious about this. Okay. Um, is it important that readers of one pseudonym not know that you're the same person who wrote something else? Like, is there is there an effort to kind of hide who who you are? Uh, with the pseudonym, or is that more of just like branding, like you know, this this author all does this genre, and then you know, how do you for separate? Me just, yeah, it's for me. It's just a matter of branding. I don't care if. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would rather people know that hey, I, Victor Alexander is also Veronica Victorian, and is also. VV and it's also Victor Bailey and it's also V Alex and it's you know I would rather they know that so that way um, you know a child that was reading my book you know somebody who's reading my book as a child can go on and then read my myself as a teenager and they can read myself when they're a college student and they can read myself when they become an adult and figure out you know hey I like reading about girls you know or I like reading about men falling in love or I like reading about a man and a woman falling in love, or hey, I'm like reading science fiction or murder or whatever. Um, so I I put on the, you know, BV is uh, the pen name of Victor Alexander and, you know, Victor Bailey or whatever. I, I let people know that all these names are connected. It's just a matter of branding because there are people who only want to read a certain genre. And if I put it all under the same name, then, you know, you have people that will one click and not every um, cover, you know, kind of gives that distinction of what it is. And then not every name, you know, could, you can't separate. Some names are gender neutral. And so you will have some people that will buy a book because an author is a one click to them. And then they'll be like, oh my God, this is, this is two women. I didn't want that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a man and a woman. No. Uh, so I, I, for me, it's just purely about branding. And, you know, otherwise I'd put everything on those, you know, Victor and just be like Jesus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, so um, so let's move into your story. So let's get a little bit more specific. Um, so how important is diversity to you in your stories? So important. Oh my gosh. Um, like I said, I represent a lot of different communities. And one of my biggest things is that I don't often see myself represented. And I know that I exist, you know, I, my, my, uh, my big sister, my adopted big sister, Sheree Noel, she calls me a unicorn um, because I am uh, black and trans and Jewish, you know, whatever, and, and gay. And she's like, you're a unicorn. And, but, and that's all well and good. But at the same time, there's a lot of other unicorns out there, you know, and I want them to know, hey, you exist. You know, we love you. We know you're out there. And you are worthy and deserving of love just as much as everybody else. You know, being gay is not a white, a cisgender white male thing. Uh, being transgender is not just for, you know, uh, trans uh, females or it's not just about, um, you know, white trans females or anything like that. This is something that I want everybody out there to know that um, you matter and we see you. Because uh, I, I know one of the biggest things for me when I was growing up, I loved the show Dawson's Creek. Loved it. Was obsessed with it. I used to talk to my mom about the show as if the characters were real. I'd be like, Mom, what would you do if you had a friend that did this? And she was thinking I was talking about my real friends and I'd be talking about the characters on Dawson's Creek. So, <laughs> Um, but one of the problems that I had with Austin's Creek was it was so white. Um, and I didn't see anybody on there that looked like me. And for somebody who was already struggling with, you know, dysphoria about um, their gender and struggling with uh, acceptance about their race because of how I grew up and the things that I saw on television and things like that, to have to watch television where there was hardly any black people or Jewish people on television, it it caused even more problems. And then when you pick up books and there aren't really any black people in the books that you read, and if there are black people, they're all criminals or on drugs or you know they all have a bunch of children and nobody speaks like you do. It caused issues for me and it made it to where I was like well there's obviously got to be something wrong with people that look like me because nobody wants to talk about us nobody wants to write about us nobody wants to put us on tv or in movies and it took a long time for me to realize that wasn't true it was just you know a lot of it was racism a lot of it was fear ignorance or whatever and I'm now in a position to where you know what I can change that I can write about these people. I can put these people out in front of people. And so that way, when the next generation comes up, they could be like, hey, you know what? There are people that look like me, people that live like me, and they're in these books. So that means there's nothing wrong with me. You know, I'm beautiful. I don't have to be this skin color to be considered beautiful. I'm beautiful just the way I am. I can have love just the way I am. You know what? There's nothing wrong with me being transgender. I can find love, too. There's nothing wrong with me being gay and black. I couldn't find love too, you know, all this other kind of stuff. So that's that's the biggest reason for it. And that's the reason why diversity is 
so important because I don't want some little black boy from a small town, you know, small town USA to pick up a book and only see white gay boys and think that there's obviously something wrong with him because he's already going to hear it in church and hear it from his family. So that's the biggest reason. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I, couldn't have said it better myself, honestly. <laughs> I think that was an awesome response. Um, so now on your blog, you mentioned how your series, The Tape Pack, uh, being a bestseller was mind-blowing. Um, so what's the series about and why do you think it reached such popularity? Uh, the Tape Pack is about, it's a paranormal shifter type series and it's about uh, werewolf cowboys, basically. Um, <laughs> I guess that's it is to kind of describe it. Um, and it's about them finding their mates and falling in love and kind of coming into contact with other uh, shifters and other members of the paranormal universe and humans and dealing with all them and stuff. Um, it kind of amazed me because when I first started writing it, I just wrote it on my blog for the people that followed my blog, just because I was like, the characters were in my head, I got to get them out. And so a lot of people just kind of read it on my blog and they're like, oh my God, I love it. You know, everybody fell in love with Tommy, of course. Um, and that's because he's based off my best friend, Angel, and everybody loves Angel. Um, <laughs> but my friend Sri told me to put it on ARE when ARE was still up. Uh, and so I did, and Stormy Glenn, um, who's a big, big name author um, in, in, uh, in the gay romance genre, she read the book, and she loved it, and she told her readers, she was like, you guys, if you have not read your tape pack by Victor Alexander, you need to go read it. The books are amazing. I felt like I was right there, and there were a lot of people that had already read it, but then there was a lot of other people that hadn't, and so they went and read it. And the first thing that kind of amazed me was the fact that Stormy Glenn knew who I was. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> she read my book. Ah! Um, <laughs> so, and then all these people started reading it. And they started loving it. And people were just in love with Tommy. And other people were in love with Richard. And people were in love with different characters. Um, but I think probably the best thing about the series is the fact that none of the the humans or even the 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 shapeshifters, the wolf shifters, they're not like what you typically see in paranormal romance. You know, uh, Tommy is a cross-dresser. You know, he's very feisty. He doesn't care at all. Um, Richard is a dancer, and uh, Michael, who's a black. Uh, uh, Wolf Shifter Cowboy, uh, he is married to Michael, and Michael is very androgynous. I mean, the first time uh, he's even seen, you kind of you don't know if he's male or female, you know, which kind of really works for his his mate, because his mate is bisexual. And that's something that really you kind of explore and get into. And even that book, um, there were a lot of, there was some difference uh, of opinions because uh, 
the, the men aren't the ones who save the day in that book. The women are. The women are the ones who, you know, fight off the villains and everything like that. They're the ones who save everybody. And people are like, but oh, wait a minute, the men always do it. And I was like, um, in the wolf world, <laughs> the men are the warriors, the women are the fighters, the men just kind of sit back and, you know, let the women take care of everything. And not even just that, like, let's be honest, if children are being threatened and all this, you know, something's going down, women are going to be the ones that's going to handle it. Like, we know this. <laughs> let's just keep it real. Um, but I, I was really shocked that so many people just fell in love with different characters. Um, and I mean, it has gotten to the point now to where people are so in love with Tommy that I tease, and I tease every so often that I'm going to kill Tommy off. I'm like, I'm sick of you guys talking to me about Tommy. I'm just going to kill him off. And every time I say that, I get, I get threatened. Like, <laughs> you better not kill him off. And I'm like, I'm going to kill him when I'm ready for my career to be over. I'm just going to like, write it and just be like, hey, Tommy fell off a cliff and died. And then I'll be like, okay, that's the end of my writing career. See you guys later. <laughs> yeah, so I'm guessing you better not do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about um, your one of your later releases, Your late, one of your latest releases, Life is Not a Musical, yeah. which is the first book in a new series. Um, so what can you tell us about this book? What's this one about? Um, Last is Not a Musical is actually, I actually got the idea for the book um, from my daughter, from a real life event that took place with my daughter. Um, I had had my daughter for a couple of months um, and just, just had guardianship over for a couple of months and her birthday was coming, was rolling around. And I wanted to do something special for her. And the movie Enchanted had just come out, you know, and she was excited about the movie Enchanted and I was excited about it. And so I was just kind of like, you know, you can have a sleepover. And she was like, really? I said, yeah. And so she invited some kids over from her school and we all sat down and watched the movie Enchanted. And with the girls were, you know, all the girls were loving it and everything. And I say, wouldn't it be great if we all lived our lives as if we were in a musical? And the girls were like, you can't do that. People look at you like you were crazy if you burst in a song all the time. And I was like, challenge accepted. So <laughs> tomorrow we will, we will live our lives. We will live our day as if we were in a musical. And my daughter kind of gave me this look like, oh, my God, please do not embarrassing <laughs> but that's my job as a parent I have to do that so the next day when I woke up I had a little post-it on my lamp that said musical day and it reminded me of what I was supposed to do so I got up brushed my teeth went out into the living room while all the girls were sleeping and burst into song about it being a new day and the sun shining and all this other kind of stuff and it was time for them to get up and it was a song I invented off the top of my head. And all the girls got up. And at first, they were looking at me like I was crazy. And they started laughing. Some of them got up and started dancing with me. And I mean, they really got into it. Like, they folded up their clothes and the blankets and stuff like that. Uh, my daughter, her face was like red. You know, everything <laughs> like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're doing this. But we spent the whole day that way. We went to McDonald's. I burst in a song in the middle of McDonald's telling them to order what they wanted. 
and the people at McDonald's like applauded and all this. <laughs> so um, every so often, my daughter and I will talk about that. Like she'll bring it up to friends if she's introducing me, um, and other friends that you know know about me, they'll be like, "Oh man, yeah, you know, uh, Katrina." told us about musical day. That sounded like it was so fun. And I'm like, yeah, chipmunk. No, she liked it. And she's like, whatever. No, I didn't. I'm like, yeah, you did. And so I just kind of got this idea about writing a book about a father who um, is really struggling with his sexuality. And he's bisexual, but he wants to deny the part of himself that likes men. And he... Finally, he starts to give into it. His wife finds out, and he loses her in a tragic accident. And because of that, he tries to make it up to his daughter. And he does it by basically giving her whatever she wants. You know, he's going to be both mother and father to her. He's going to do anything he can. And he makes a lot of YouTube videos with her where he's wearing a tutu, you know, dancing around, doing ballet with her. Uh, making, you know, pancakes shaped as mice, you know, all sorts of kind of stuff. And the little girl's not spoiled. Like, you know, he raises her right, but he does uh, whatever he can to make her happy. And so um, finally, she says that for her birthday, she wants musical day. She wants to live the whole day as if, it, if, if they're in a Disney musical. And at the end, she wants him to marry a princess. And so that video goes up on YouTube. And there are reporters, you know, just like it is these days. Um, anything that really happens with these big, huge, birth, uh, you know, virtual stars and stuff like that, uh, it gets reported on in a lot of these, a lot of these e-magazines. And so a reporter is assigned uh, the story, and he's supposed to go down there and, and find out as much information about musical day and the father, you know, his boss wants to know why is this man so obsessed with giving his daughter the world? He's like, there's got to be something else about, you know, about this. And he goes down there and what ends up happening is um, Nathaniel, who is a reporter, he looks like a princess. He's very androgynous looking. And um, uh, Vienna, who's a little girl, she thinks he looks like a princess. And she basically tells her dad, Dominic, he's like, that's a princess. I want, you know, this is the princess right here. And they, uh, there's a whole lot of other stuff that ensues, but that's basically uh, the gist of the story. And it came about because of the own, you know, the musical day that I gave to my daughter. And I'm just like, I wanted to be able to share that with other people, to share um, a father's need and desire to give his daughter the world, and no matter how foolish it made him him look. Okay, very cool. It sounds, uh, you know, it, it's it's funny how you know those uh, those moments in life can really spark like a big idea. Um, yeah. Now, do your other books have the same kind of fairy tale kind of quality to it? Would you say, or would you say that they're like? radically different they're radically different i don't usually write um fluffy type stories like this um all this all the books in the woodstock love series is going to be very kind of disney-esque you know um 
and that's not usually how I I write. I I tend to write more gritty, you know, clutch your heart, you know, clutch your pearls, break your heart kind of stuff, uh, make people cry. <laughs> that that's usually my forte. I I usually get the emails from from the readers going, "Oh my God, you made me cry. I'm so bad," and I'm like, "Yeah, I did it again." Um, and and there there's maybe like one or two parts in life is not a musical that will kind of touch at the heartstrings. But other than that, it's really fun. It's light. It's funny. Uh, and I write that every so often, but more often than not, it's suspense. It's action. It's mystery. It's very sexy. Very very sexy. But it <laughs> it's dark. You know. Um, it's a lot of people having to really fight through the the dirt and the mud and fight through hell to get that happy ending. Um, to to really have to deal with life to get what to get what they want at the end. Um, but this is a nice reprieve, and it really kind of helps me stay in a good place through those two years that I was in and out of the hospital. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, now, did I see that you recently released another book? Oh, um, I have a book ready to come out. Uh, okay. A, yeah, A Royal Secret. Um, it's releasing this month. It's my first uh, male-female romance. It's in this interracial, and it's coming out. And before anybody asks, no, I did not get this idea after Meghan Markle and uh, Prince Harry. No, I had my, <laughs> <laughs> I had my idea first, um, but it it just so happened that the book is not going to be done until after they got married. Totally not my fault, uh, but it is a, a book about a black princess. Uh, and or rather a black American woman who marries a uh, a white prince and um, just everything that happens to that and it's the first in the series and there I want to warn people now if there is a cliffhanger so do not be mad at me when you get to the end and there's a cliffhanger I'm warning you now uh, but I I like my cliffhangers um, but it it. Really, it's really nice for me uh, to be able to write this. It's kind of a departure. And um, one of the biggest things that I noticed, and even before I started writing, and one of the things that I've heard a lot of my author friends and reader friends talk about was the uh, lack of uh, Black females in the love interest role in romance. And, you know, I, I want to do my part with putting black women in that role of being the love interest, being the the woman who falls in love, being the main character. And not even just that, I wanted to make sure that, you know, black women were seeing themselves as being beautiful, being um, someone who was uh, being pursued, you know, and uh, that, I mean, it's the same thing that I did, you know, black men and, and other people of color in my other books and um and i wanted to write a book about a black woman being a princess and she and she is black her, her dad is 
uh, from the Caribbean, and her mom is from Harlem. So she is black. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. We need more stories like that, you know? Um, there, Like you said earlier, there's just, it's important to have, have types of characters um, to be out there so that, you know, nobody has to go through that unlearning process that you said you went through and that I went through to, to you know, kind of grow up knowing that who they are is already, um, is already just fine. So, uh, yeah, and I think, you know, I feel like it's probably gonna be very well received Thank you. Uh, and you know, the timing is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, you couldn't ask for, for more there. Um, so what's next on the horizon for you? Aside from, aside from this book, what, what else is next for you? Um, I have uh, some much anticipated books that are coming out um, or that I'm going to be working on. Uh, Washington, which is book three in the Sevillon Brotherhood series. It's a book, uh, it's a series about uh, vampire doctors. So I, uh, yeah, I'm working on book three of that one. Um, and the love interest of Washington, who is the, the vampire doctor in this book, he is a black gender queer character. And I'm very excited to be writing, um, to be working on that book. Um, and then after that, I am going to write uh, my first YA book. And uh, looking forward to that. <laughs> okay. that. But I'm looking forward to it. Um, and, you know, then I'll, I'll get back to uh, the series with uh, the Bad Boy Princess of Malvitas, which is the series where a royal secret is. And then I have to write a book in the Tate Pack series because people have been clamoring for it. And then I promised my reader, Joanna, that I would write a debater prince because she keeps telling me, Six Bucket Percy, six Bucket Percy. Like every time she says anything to me, she'll say, Hey, Vic, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? And I'm like, Yeah. She's like, Okay, that's six Bucks and Percy. So <laughs> I, have to, I have to go back and fix that. Um, but I actually have like two or three children's books that are already done. Um, I just have to get illustrated from and then immediately. And um, I have another. Uh, letters to Master Husband. Uh, the first book is already out, so I have another one that I need to uh, finish and put out. And then um, I'm writing a nonfiction book called I'm Black, and uh, it's really deep, really personal, um, and it kind of scares it at me. Uh, but that's going to be coming out as well. So I'm just kind of delving into my different uh, genres and pen names and stuff. And uh, I know in my head how the order I want them to go, but there is no telling which characters are going to be like, uh, move out the way, it's my turn, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't know. You know, my intention is to write Washington next. Uh, but at the same time, I have been watching a lot of investigation discovery. So uh, the Jack the Ripper series might come out next. Who knows? I don't know. So, <laughs> but that, that's my, 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 yeah, my next one is uh, Washington. Okay. 
Cool, cool, cool. All right. So where can people find out more about you and your work? Oh, um, I'm on Facebook, Victor Alexander B. Um, or Victor Alexander, you can find me there. Um, I'm on Twitter at B B E E B. Um, I don't know. I'm everywhere. <laughs> I'm everywhere. Um, I've got so many different. Yeah, you know, yeah, we. I know we have a lot of links, and um, I think I already have them down below the video. So if anybody wants to check out any of uh, Victor's stuff, just scroll down a little bit, and you'll find everything posted right there. <laughs> I'm everywhere, people. Um, I spend most of my time either on Twitter or or Facebook. Um, but I always tell people if you get on Twitter, you're not necessarily only getting me the author you're getting me the man you're getting me the person you're getting me the advocate the activist the philanthropist you know whatever um if you just want me the author stick to all the other ones uh but if you if you get on twitter you're gonna see me <laughs> you're gonna get me at all my side and glory so <laughs> All right. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Victor, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Um, I absolutely love the conversation. I love hearing your story and hearing how you came up with some stories. And, uh, you know, I wish you the best. And, um, you know, I'm going to definitely try to make sure that people are aware of, of, of your books. I mean, I know plenty of people are, but I'm going to try to do my part and make sure that people kind of get linked up with you so that you get some more readers. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, and everyone, thank you so much for watching tonight. Um, if you want to share it, please do. Please give this a thumbs up if you enjoyed the uh, interview. And um, please subscribe. I'm going to be posting some more of these, and I'm going to be getting into my own stories very soon. I think what I'm going to do is kind of post like a um, – I'm, prob I'm probably going to talk about my books as I'm writing them, and they're going to be completely full of spoilers. And that's going to be another kind of series that I do on YouTube. So I don't know. Stay tuned for that. Um, but anyway, thank you for watching. And everyone, you have a good night. Victor, once again, thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right.